you are kind of there forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're in, you're in there forever. This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. Engineers have watched over 2 million hours of Frontend Masters videos to upgrade their skills in the latest best practices in frontend development and Node.js. Popular video courses of theirs include courses on Advanced JavaScript, Angular 2, React, API Design with Node, and Functional and Asynchronous JavaScript. Many of their teachers have even been guests on JavaScript Jabber. Check them out at frontendmasters.com. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 236 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Dave Smith. Hello. Amy Knight. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week we have a special guest, that is Jerome Hardaway. Hey everybody, how you guys doing? Do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yes, my name is Jerome Hardaway. I am the executive director, um, or as we like to prefer, head geek of Etsu Code. Formerly U.S. Air Force, now um, full-stack developer, teaching veterans how to program and getting those amazing jobs that they've earned through service. Yeah, and I heard you uh, just joined as a regular panelist on some awesome Ruby podcast. Yes. All right. I didn't know I could cross-promote. Yes. I'm now a full-time panelist on uh, Ruby Rogues as well, so that's uh, pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, especially since Ruby was my first real server-side language. So it's kind of has a, like, it's almost like a first love type thing. And now I'm talking about it all the time uh, when I'm not reading about it or teaching it. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. We did line this up before he joined Ruby Rogues, but yeah. Um, he <laughs> yes. Came, he came uh, on Ruby Rogues. Uh, we talked a lot about Vetsu Code. It was awesome. And so... He hopped on here, and then I wound up having some openings on that panel. So I yeah. have a question um, before we go much further. When we say Vetsu Code, because this is near and dear to my heart, we're also talking about spouses, right? Yes, actually. We talk about spouses and some de and depending on the situation dependence. We are looking for those people who are part of the military uh, family that have what we like to call – uh, the aptitude and um, the aptitude and impact clause. We're looking for those that uh, can not only do the work and learn, but also those who we can impact. More uh, people who are in early stage transitioning tend to be with a, um, the demographic that we are that we really focus on early on because, as you know, with veterans in particular. Uh, those who are within their last year before getting out, first two years um, out, those that's the vulnerable uh, population. And those guys, they can end up getting um, all of the horrible things that you hear when it comes to homelessness and joblessness and things of that nature. So we really, I really focused on trying to hit that sweet spot of helping veterans and spouses before they need it. I believe that the nonprofit sector needs to focus more on being proactive than um, reactive as a whole because it saves money and uh, it actually those funds actually help more than waiting for a person to hit rock bottom and then trying to build them all the way up or to a what we just, what we would predetermine as a successful level. But yes, we handle uh, spouses in some cases dependents based upon how many openings we have for a class and um, what's the current application uh, applicant cohorts looking like. Uh, last, uh, uh, I miscounted. We had, I thought we had 113, but we actually had 124 uh, af people who applied for our August um, through right now co cohort, and we only had 13 spots, and we tried to go no higher than 13. So that's just how in demand our program gets. I like that you said um, before you hit rock bottom because I, I don't know. I just feel like this is kind of important to – um, my story and something that like not a lot of people know. So if you are close to me, you know, like I've been going through some rough stuff lately. Uh, I'm no longer a military spouse, but one decision that I made really early on when I did become a military spouse is that as I was traveling around, um, you know, married to someone in the military at the time, I knew how important it was going to be if something ever did happen that I had something to fall back on. And luckily, uh, when everything unfortunately did happen, um, 
you know, I was well into this programming career. So not only do I have something to fall back on, but I have something I absolutely love to do that, um, you know, helps me to support myself as well. So I think that's like super important for, uh, not just the vets, but spouses too. Yes. It's, uh, learning how to code is a transformative, uh, choice and it makes you, I mean, it just makes it so much better. Yeah, one other thing I don't think people really realize, uh, and I'm just going to preface this by stating that um, when I was a missionary for my church, um, I spent seven months serving in a branch of the church for service people in the Air Force uh, at Aviano Air Base in Italy. And I don't think people really understand that, um, A, there's this culture around the military, uh, the people who are in the military and their families, and that in a lot of ways, the families serve as well as the service people. So, yes. um, you know, the fact that you are willing to, you know, provide this to spouses and dependents, uh, depending on the need and how much avail- availability you have, is, is really important. And I don't think people realize just um, the, the impact that it has when somebody has a family member in the military uh, one other way that I'll point this out is um, my wife's grandmother um, is a military widow. Um, my wife's grandfather died in service in the Air Force. And uh, every time she drove onto base, um, whether it was out here at Hill Air Force Base um, up in Layton, Utah, or somewhere else, uh, they saluted and, uh, you know, gave her those honors. And, and it, it really is, um, you're part of the military family if you are part of a military family. Yes. Yep. Yep. You are kind of there forever. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You're in, you're in there forever. <laughs> As we get into this, how, how do you, how do you decide who gets in? I mean, I'm assuming that you have so many spots open and you have so many people apply. Uh, do you fill all your spots? Do you have more applicants than you have spots? I mean, how, how, how are you doing there and how does that all work? Roger that. We always have the pain of, uh, having more applicants than we do spots. Like I said, we try to take no more than 13 and we always get, um, I get cold calls for spots. I get, you know, it's a crazy experience. What we do is when we open the application process is that we do two interviews, um, every veteran, uh, every veteran. I mean, first we have to verify that they're, uh, either whether they're active duty, um, veteran or they're a spouse then we uh, make that call, see if they're honorably discharged, uh, if they're a veteran, see if they're um, with their spousal or uh, dependent status um, among that. Just and then we see, uh, we, you know, we basically we want to see um, hear their story and see what they've been doing and why is code something with them. You know, it's really hard to teach people about code, especially you know, learning how to code is grueling. That's the only thing that you're learning, uh, skill base, and you're doing it on a certain amount of time. It's a really hard, uh, or not hard, uh, intense process. So we have to make sure that, that the people that are applying, they're not trying to waste our donors' dollars or our volunteers. Like we have volunteer mentors that come in. We try to give every athlete, every person who volunteers, um, um, who comes to our program, a mentor. And that, you know, we don't waste their time. So we focus on trying to figure out, like, does this person really want to do this? Or is this just a person who's, you know, they've heard about us through, like, Gary Vee or somebody, or they saw some really, uh, or they just saw as a, you know, make some money type thing. Um, but that's what we focus on. And we do a lot of our, uh, we do, so after that, we do, we once again, focus on teaching our veterans, um, not teaching, I'm sorry, uh, we go on the technical side to make sure that they have the aptitude for code. So we go and do some, not so much as code challenges, but some problem-solving drills that have absolutely nothing to do with code, and we look and ask for GitHub or any type of experiences that they did. We always recommend that prior to talking to us, go ahead and you know try to knock out our pre-work and see if this is for you. Uh, we have that on our medium blog so that, you know, you know, anybody can come in and already have the pre-work done and that gives them, uh, quite a bit of a head start, um, with the, with our process, but that's basically it. We try to, you know, keep it small classes so everybody has the time that they deserve, uh, with me or with one of their, or with one of our 
um, volunteers. And we focus on, you know, what I like to say, skills pay to, uh, skills pay to bills and give uh, veterans what they want and what they deserve. So I have a question. I know that there are a lot of programming boot camps right now that are looking into accepting the GI Bill. I'm actually part of a group called Operation Code, um, and I know that they've worked with some other uh, schools and boot camps to accept the GI Bill. And actually, the boot camp that I went to, the Nashville Software School, um, they are starting to accept the GI Bill. I actually have a friend who uh, is applying for the January cohort using that. So... um, do you do that? Uh, and if not, no. why would someone go this route rather than um, potentially these other routes where you can use your GI Bill? Roger that. Uh, or maybe you don't. One, have, maybe you don't have one to use. I guess. <laughs> Roger that. Uh, first and foremost, negative. We do not focus on the post 9/11 GI Bill because to, at first to get the post 9/11 GI Bill, you have to uh, focus have about 70% of your revenue or your education be focused on people outside of the post 9-11 GI Bill. So we would have to start teaching civilians. A lot of people don't know that about the post 9-11 GI Bill, that the only places they can really accept it are places that are taking both civilians and veterans. And I think one of the things that we would like to argue about those schools that accept the post 9-11, we've been, um, first we've been propositioned and asked to partner with schools that are accepting a post 9-11 GI Bill in regards to coding boot camps that we've turned them down because we focus, uh, we take a completely different approach. And I think the veterans that want to choose us, they like our approach because we focus on um, a really intense quality and uh, not only just relationships and being able to get them uh, into unique uh, positions and networks that other jobs might not be able, other boot camps might not be able to offer. But we also you know, really great, uh, memorable things. There's very few boot camps that will let you have a intimate Slack site chat AMA with like a developer from Netflix or the founder of Ruby on Rails. We actually have that uh, slated next week for our veterans or going through something as, you know what, we are, we've just been invited to uh, Dreamforce and we would like to take you with us to Dreamforce so we can do company tours at all of these really cool tech companies in San Francisco. There's very few uh, companies, very few um, for-profit code schools that do that. Uh, and that's something that we do. Uh, the experience that we have within our Slack channel, we, like I said, we are very intense when it comes to the idea of quality. We just don't teach. We give you a, an experience that you can't focus, you can't get if, you know, if it's a, if, as I like to call it, a butts and seats, trying to get them in and get them out and start the next cohort as fast and smoothly as possible. We only focus, uh, we like to call it front site focus, only on that um, team that's in there. And that's why we get the type of uh, partnerships and the type of relationships that we get is because we um, we do something different a lot of boot camps don't do. We focus on CS fundamentals, um, which most boot camps, they focus on teaching you how to code. They don't teach you things like big O notation and uh, more advanced data modeling concepts, things of that nature. And that's something that we have baked into our product as well as a whole month dedicated to technical interviewing. Uh, Very few uh, schools have that just an entire month set aside just to master the technical interview, let alone uh, giving you tools that you can have up to a year to prep for uh, experiences like that. We give them pragmatic studios, um, plural site interview cake, and that's all free to our veterans. And that's what we, and we're also trying to add more tools and resources uh, that we get from other partners um, free to our um, qualifying troops uh, as we go on. But I think that's what really sets us apart is even though we are remote, you end up feeling like, you don't feel like a community, you feel like family. And that's what we do best. Very, I think that's what, yeah, that's what we do the best. So, and not to mention we have a 100% success rate when it comes to helping veterans because we focus so much on that quality and not that just quantity and trying to build this really big, hard to contain community and everybody trying to work together. Uh, We do a lot of, we have our own style guide. We do a lot of things focused on, we focus on professional web development which is, um, depending on where you go, may or may not always be that solution. Let's pause for a moment to talk about our sponsor, Taurus. 
Taurus is a new tool for managing and securing the secret information that allows your app to run. You know the stuff. Passwords, API keys, database credentials, all the stuff that gives access to the private stuff that you don't want anybody to touch except for your application in specific ways. Taurus provides a convenient way to store all this information in the cloud, and they can't access it because it's encrypted with material derived from your password, which is never transmitted to their server. So it's secured from them, from everybody else, but accessible to you. This means only the servers, development machines, and applications you've allowed can access the information. So make secrets management headaches a thing of the past and check out Taurus today. You can find them at devchat.tv slash Taurus. That's devchat.tv slash T-O-R-U-S. So one thing that I, if, if I remember right, um, with my time in the military, there was a lot of jargon that people would throw around. TDYs and uh, there are a whole bunch of TLAs, three-letter acronyms. (laughs) I mean, just it was just funny. Um, You know, they they don't don't forget about the ETLAs, the extended three-letter acronyms. Oh right. (laughs) But uh, you know, we're guilty of that. Military people really have their own language in a lot of ways, and I'm wondering, you know, how does that play in in the way that you communicate, the way that you uh, teach and talk and bring people into your community, how important is that common language among veterans, kind of the same way we have among programmers? I think it's, for us, it's been one of our strongest uh, points. I think we spoke about that some time ago and like the idea of coming in and being able to correlate uh, software terminology or just how to do certain things and like, translate it in a way that a veteran or like someone who's in infantry can understand or someone anybody who's been on at least one deployment can understand uh that really helps us i think i told you like we usually have is really smooth sailing until we get like a coastie or um a spouse of a coastie in our cohort and then you know those guys don't usually do a lot of deploying outside of uh the country their deployments are to alaska and stuff or puerto rico so everybody else is like, they understand what we say, but those guys are like, what are you guys talking about? And we're like, oh, um, someone explain it to the FNG over there. So, but that's um, for us, it's just a really, I think it gives us a really great advantage. Not only, uh, like I said, we're acronym crazy in, in Betsu code. I think we spoke about that. We talk about, uh, we use Hawks, which is H A W C, which is health and wellness checks, which we do, um, about once a week now. Uh, we use AARs, which is after action reviews. Uh, another term that we have from the military that we do after every session. Uh, we, uh, there's just so many, so many acronyms. I'm probably skipping a few, but that's, um, this military jargon is like military, connection helps us get our message and get our education uh, and instruction through to the, uh, to the veteran a lot more clearly. So um, it's, it really it helps us. That's really cool. One thing that I'm also curious, curious about is um, I know that there are people who have gone through, you know, PTSD and, you know, maybe they've lost limbs or lost, um, you know, what lost comrades or, you know, things like that, where people have gone through really hard stuff. Uh, does that affect your teaching style at all? Or do you generally wait for people to get that kind of help somewhere else and then come into the program? Negative. Um, I'm a veteran. I, I think I've, I, I might not have shared this, but I deployed multiple times. I'm in a combat career field, security forces, transitioning in a Phoenix Raven program. Uh, I suffered from PTSD when I um, first exited, more strongly than I do so now. So having that already, that philosophy of how to learn how to code while suffering from PTSD or any type of anxiety-based disorder, we already bake that into our curriculum because I'm very wary of that. And I'm also very wary of the fact that people may not want to share the post-traumatic stress because not everyone's post-traumatic uh, stress is the same. Some people get theirs from um, sexual assault, some from actual combat, um, some from, I've seen people who have gotten them from um, training exercises that went horribly wrong. So uh, trying to keep people, give people their safe space while I focus on um, giving them the skills that can help them 
good jobs. That's really our main um, main focus. So I think about that concept of uh, the social aspect of learning how to code in regards to uh, post-traumatic stress or anxiety disorders or uh, feeling some feeling of incompetence just because you don't come from like a technical job or MOS or AFSC, uh, whichever language you're using for your job title, job code. Um, we've seen, I've seen it, I've seen it all uh, when it comes to learning, teaching how to code and learning how to code. And it really helps me uh, become a better instructor and better teacher for our veterans. So I have a question. Um, you know, I know personally that this is not necessarily true, but military is not exactly, um, well, this type of military. We're not talking about like the NSA and stuff. We're just talking about, you know, boots on the ground or active duty, that kind of thing. Uh, is not typically known for, um, you know, the most up-to-date technical skills-wise or, or the most up-to-date technology. Um, yeah. If you go on base, you know, the technology the used is, is pretty old. The military um, sells to the uh, local spitter, right? <laughs> yeah. So how does that affect, um, you know, how you're teaching people and how does that affect kind of um, – like the stigma potentially tied to some of the veterans when they go out and look for jobs? Roger that. Um, well, what is what helps with the teaching, when regards to the teaching and that concept of the, the way the military's technology uh, stack is really a low bar or not the highest bar you think of, like going to New York or San Francisco's tech bar, uh, well, that we we usually fix that within the crawl phase, especially when they start doing uh, more front-end work. Well, we, we really, uh, we see huge leaps and bounds in regards to just because of why we focus on, we call it crawl, walk, run, and we try to alleviate all of those problems in the crawl phase when it comes to, this is the technology stack, uh, this is how they think about technology in the military, this is how the real world thinks about technology. Um, and I know it's going to be a shocker for some of you, and we're okay with that. So that's um, our biggest thing in class, in session, is during crawl phase, go ahead and get them into the, as I like to say, the 21st century. I know that most military bases are still using uh, technologies that were hot during the, like, first Gulf War, uh, which is kind of scary when you think of it. But that's where we really focus on getting them from uh, that, 2004 field, maybe up to 2016 uh, way of doing things. In regards to jobs, I believe that comes from the what we focus on our stack, how we teach, and uh, how we allow our veterans to get that message across um, for um, job hunting. We focus on, I said, we focus a full month on interview skills, and that comes involved with their portfolio and their capstone project. We focus on um, our main stack, we like to call it the WC stack, is Angular, Postgres, and Rails. And we're focusing on teaching them how to connect, uh, how to use Bower to connect Angular and Rails together and do a lot of uh, those more fluid tooling things. So I think that actually helps when it comes to their GitHubs and their portfolios and how to, we teach them how to use AWS and uh, Heroku as well, that when, they, when the employer sees that, uh, it really you know, shakes them and like, oh, you know what, this is a great, you know, this is a great idea. Uh, that's actually, uh, the interview is actually one, I feel like our biggest strength because that's how we made Vetsu code. A lot of the resources and networks that we have now came from me literally physically going out there, interviewing with companies, getting the job, turning the job down and pitching their director of developments or their hiring managers about what I do. Uh, this is like, the last, I think six months has been the first time like since we've started it i don't have to really like go in there and perform and then now you know my skill set turn around now let's talk about that suit code now um i just got off the phone with some people at espn who i didn't have to do that with it's like it's really shocking to be in this type of environment like oh i don't have to like do a code challenge or anything first we have to do three interviews um so we really help like i think that really helps us is that you know the code, a technical interview is what Betsu Code was built around, first and foremost. That's how we got our name out there, was going out there, 
getting um, doing this and kicking butt at the take at uh, the interviews and turning the jobs down. Uh, that's how actually like people like Gary Vee. That's how he heard about us was technical interview and deciding we you know what I'm not going to do this, but I can help you find a bunch of people who can do this, and I can help and I can teach these people. We actually have a person who's a big supporter of Etsuko now who. Uh, we just helped her get a job at, at uh, VaynerMedia. Uh, I think she just started last week, as a matter of fact. So it was really cool that we're able to build these relationships based upon like our hard work and interviewing and doing what we like to say, skills pay the bills, and then turning around and being able to make that transition for other people significantly easier when it comes out to like helping uh, people get jobs. So you think that people's military background is actually an asset, not necessarily a detriment when people are going to look for jobs? Because I do feel like, um, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it can be a detriment. I don't, I feel like it's a detriment if you, anything can be a positive <laughs> if you allow it to be. I don't really? feel like it's a detriment for our veterans because like what I tell people, um, what is military? problem solving. Um, and essentially when you're going overseas or in deployment, you're solving problems the entire time. So you might not have all the tools to like optimally solve the problem, but that problem still has to be solved. Um, not only when you think about documentation, every military veteran out there has had to read some type of boring uh, SOPs or had to go through death by PowerPoint <laughs> or something. So being so telling somebody to read the Rails guys or the Ruby doc, that's absolutely nothing to them. Like, okay, well, at least I'll be able to do something on a computer. And I don't, you know, no one's yelling at me about this. So, uh, you know, that's where we come from, the creativity that comes with problem solving, learning, you know, how to solve problems, you know, how to solve so many problems for 550 court correlates really well into the uh, how to learn how to solve problems using JavaScript or Ruby. Uh, if those that don't know, like, most deployed, most veterans have like lethal deployment underneath their belt. They can do pretty much anything with 550 cord and duct tape. Like I've seen some people <laughs> uh, that, and I've seen some MRE wizards. Like I don't know if you guys know about MREs, but they're essentially gross freeze-dried meals. But I've seen some chefs. Like you want a problem solver? Like a guy that can make MREs taste amazing regardless of what's in that bag? is like that's a problem solver so and that's what we bring when we find these veterans and we bring them to employers or we so most of our veterans they don't even um we teach them how to integrate into, into their developer society using meetups and things of that nature and they're able to get jobs on their own just from what they showcase at meetups and when they're on their own interviews and that's what what we're really about like we don't even when we do partnerships we don't set up money from the uh, hiring managers that want to partner with us, we just focus on helping veterans. Like for me, every veteran that gets a job is a W. And I'm trying to keep my, uh, I'm trying to keep my goose egg, as they say. So somebody once told me this, and I think it's definitely true. So typically in the military, um, you could say you have the best of the best, and unfortunately sometimes the worst of the worst. But the best of the best, uh, in my experience, um, the drive that um, the best of the best have is like unparalleled. Yes, yeah, I can definitely agree on that. We, you, you have to find that. Once you find that talent, um, and then turn around and focus on cultivating it, giving it the quality instruction that it needs, you'll be amazed uh, at what you see. And that's one of the things that we now, that we try to talk to other um, employers about. Like, you know, the opportunity of teaching veterans, like giving veterans not only giving veterans the opportunity and the mentorship. Because, you you know, we've really gotten away from this as a society in which you used to invest in people versus their, what was on their resume. Uh, but as we've gotten more data focused and we're trying to minimize spend in regards of uh, you know, looking using computers that are using uh, technologies that focus on what's written on that on their resume and seeing looking for keywords, things of that nature, when we're no longer focusing on that person, we're just looking for a person that can do the job to the point where we won't lose money. And I totally understand that, but it actually, that's one of the things that we focus on with our veterans to try to make them, keep them up to speed, up to shore uh, for their skill set, because that, that actually hurts veterans, because veterans don't have that advantage of having 
the average veteran that's been a first-term airman or first-term veteran. They've been in the military four to six years while their civilian counterparts have been out um, building their uh, network for four to six years. So that's one of the things that we are always thinking about. Like, you know, we're thinking about the technologies that the companies are using to screen uh, resumes. We're thinking about relationships with tech recruiters. We're thinking about our relationships with hiring managers. We're always, we, we look at it from a, it's a really unique concept of how we look at it in regards to focusing outward, almost like we are a counter uh, talent agency because we're trying to dissect, uh, dissect all of these uh, tech agencies that are always trying to recruit and look for talent while also trying to build that talent that they're looking for. It's a really weird, very unique uh, concept that we have. So what's, what's in the future for Vetsu Code? Oh, man. Well, what's currently in the future is in three weeks, I have to go um, back to San Francisco. I've been invited to Facebook as a guest of honor to uh, speak about Vetsu Code. So that's crazy. Um, last week was crazy, too. We were invited to Dreamforce. And while there, we, did like a, we took one of our veterans with us. And after I met did my Dreamforce uh, obligations, I had the opportunity to give this veteran multiple, uh, a bunch of tours at various companies. We visited Facebook, Twitter, uh, the Instagram leg of Facebook, which Facebook, for the record, you've never gone. Facebook is like Willy Wonka in a chocolate factory, but like not the current, like the Johnny Depp one, but like the Gene Wilder one. Like it's insane they have restaurants and coffee shops everywhere like you can't go like i even i was doing my pace count in there and i couldn't get past like 60 before we ran into a new like another cafe i was like this is crazy you guys have like every 60 steps there's a place for coffee who does that like it, it was just most mind-blowing opportunity ever um we're continuing, we're focusing like a lot of our fundraising all the way through uh, Giving Tuesday. And then we're going to take a small break for the holidays, and get our, our troops credit and get them some jobs. And then um, get, get back on the road in March. Uh, try to take a little bit of a break so I can like have my wife uh, not be furious with me for all the time I spend working with vets and uh, get back into uh, getting back into the job of teaching veterans how to code. So one other question that I'm wondering about is, um, is, is this a program for people who can't afford to go through another system or do people have to pay or if people can pay, do they go somewhere else or do they do come here? What's the deal? We only accept those who do not, cannot fiscally afford to go to a code school because the way as a nonprofit, we, like I said, we focus on not only aptitude, but we focus on impact as well. And if you have, if you already have a, the means to go to uh, like one of the schools that I like, I really like General Assembly's model. But so if you have the means to go to those type of schools and things of that uh, nature, I wouldn't recommend you to go to ours because I don't want you to try to apply for ours because I don't want you to take a spot away from one of our veteran, from a veteran that may need it more. So that's what we look for. We look for veterans, we look for spouses, we look for dependents that actually, they have that aptitude, they have that drive, but they also, they don't, they may not have it in regards to like, they may not have a job that they can afford to do a for-profit code school, or maybe they think they could have a chance of getting a scholarship, but they're not, for instance, uh, let's say you're in Mobile, Alabama, and you're looking at General Assembly, uh, but when you go up to General Assembly in like any other locations, that cost of living is significantly higher than being in Mobile. So we're, for, we're looking for veterans like that. And you know what? We might be able to get the – they think they might be able to get the handle that tuition, but, but they're not thinking of that soft skill, that uh, – what is it? That Not soft skill, but those soft costs like the housing, food, transportation, things of that nature that, you know, over the course of three months, they really add up. If you think about, like, I'm from, originally from Memphis, and Nashville, which is three hours away, is $5,000 per person more expensive. Uh, between Memphis and um, New York, is three times that much. And Memphis and San Francisco, it's ridiculous. Like, we were like, no, we're not even moving to San Francisco. I'll travel 
to San Francisco, but I have to become Elon Musk before I move to San Francisco. So that's like what we try to focus on. It's 100% free to those veterans that um, we get in their program. All our tools, all our time is free uh, for them. And that's what we, you know, that's what we were focusing on because I know that there are some really talented uh, ladies and gents out there that they're just, they just need the opportunity to get to the next level. So that's what we focus on. All right, let's take a break and earn a little money for the show by talking about Hired.com. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering, development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. They put you in control, fill out an application, and then top employers apply to hire you. Throughout the process, your dedicated talent advocate will also have your back, providing unbiased career coaching to help you put your best foot forward with potential employers. And Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And they help people find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. So if you're open to relocation, you can let them know, and they'll work that in too. Finally, if you use our link, you can earn double the normal hiring bonus. The normal hiring bonus is 1000 bucks, and they give you 2000 instead. So go check them out at hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber. Trying to think of what else we ask, we could ask. One thing, one thing that kind of came up um, that we, we talked about a little bit was, um, you know, whether or not there was a stigma around veterans. And I'm curious, is it easier or harder for veterans to get hired? Do you find that it varies by company or? I think when we first started, uh, when we first started, it was harder, a lot harder, because it was like 2014. Uh, this, like, everybody learned how to code was just getting started when we happened to be getting started. And I actually remember I tried to initially start a program about learning about getting veterans and technology in my hometown around 2011 when I was in the nonprofit scene. And people were like, you know, we're not really sure about that. They didn't know. It was kind of, you know, it was unheard of because the whole everybody learned how to code movement hadn't really, like, jumped off the uh, rails like how it is now. But after um, our White House uh, invitation, it, it, it became significantly easier. When people saw the tools and resources that we were using and being able to pull, that really helped because these are our trusted resources and tools they were in already in the community that people already trusted. So they are already, you know what? Okay. That helps us. That helps ease their mind. These people are working with them. These people are working with them. So it made it, made it significantly uh, easier for the, for us. And as well as just being able to go in, I think, like I said, most of the time when we were doing that work, working with um, other companies, me going in and interviewing Already, when they had, when it, when I would get a recommendation for a job uh, for these for our veterans, they had already did all the legwork by the time one of our vets came in. So it was really um, it was really amazing um, process of how just being able to focus on that skill set um, that skill that skill set based education uh, or approach really helped us. Um, that was that. That's pretty much it for that. It, it was it's gotten a lot easier as the time has gone on. Uh, we still focus on keeping those numbers low because we want to ensure you know a quality product. We don't want to you know it's not about having ten thousand people in our community. It's about having ten people that can go out there and get jobs. So that's what we focus on. So you've probably had quite a few people now come through the program. You've been doing yes. it for how long? Uh, since 2014, we have, we currently have another person that just got a job uh, a couple weeks ago, but we've had 80, um, I'm not going to count him to it uh, just yet until we get a, um, a few more. So far, 80 veterans in 14 states have all gotten jobs. We've got 100% uh, success rate so far. That's great. Well, congratulations yeah. for that. Yeah. As you look back over all the people that you've helped through this program, are there any stories of people that stand out to you? Yes. Um, one that stands out is um, one Ty Allen. Uh, he's currently, he decided he want to go, he enjoys freelancing. But one of the things that was always hurting him when it came to freelance positions and like uh, getting jobs, uh, projects, uh, I guess contracts, was the fact that he did not know HTML, CSS, and uh, JavaScript. 
And he had recently gone through, um, he just had an addition to his family. And he came to us because he had a design degree. And what was hurting him getting projects was that he didn't know how to code. And when he tried to go back to his school, he went to a for-profit college. And he just realized that his for-profit college just, you know, is one of those in the Department of Education had decided that they were not meeting their standards. And they discontinued it. So could you imagine the horror of having a degree that just disappears one day? So we've been focusing on working on him, particularly on LampStack, to help him uh, transition and get uh, up those skills. And he's right now uh, successfully using that to make more money than he was doing in the software, in the just graphic design industry by itself, which really um, helps us, that especially when you think of that concept of this person, he came in and he did not want to get to the point of going to a full, you know, job type field. He wanted to, like, stay freelance and now he's freelance and you know he's getting paid money to do what he wants to do it his way so that to me that's really cool we also um have a veteran that two about a year ago uh his name was sorry his name is adrian and he came through our program and our coursework and he now works at marble um in new york as a front-end web developer he came through and he was just a person that needed, you know, he had the aptitude. He just needed an extra push. Now he works at Marvel. And we really enjoy, like, stories like that. We try not to put our veterans out there as much because we really like to focus on the product of what we do to be a story as opposed to, like, when I used to work at nonprofits, they always used to use the veterans as, like, look what we're doing for veterans. Look what we did for this veteran. And it was like, I really didn't like that. I think maybe it was just, like, my point of view as a veteran coming through. I really despised um, that, and I and I felt like, and I found out a lot of the veterans weren't comfortable with that either. So we really focus on trying to make sure that what we, our, our mission statement, what we do, how we do it, our methods are more of that story and about the product versus um, using the stories of the veterans because we don't want them to feel like they're being exploited. And that's honestly what some of the veterans have said, that, you know what, when nonprofits ask us for our stories and stuff like that, we kind of feel exploited. So me trying to always respect that, that's what, um, why we try to focus more on the product of what we do. Well, um, I have to say that, you know, I have, I have family that has, have been in the military. I have a lot of friends that have been in the military and uh, this is just a really cool project that's helping people that, um, I mean, yeah, you get paid cool. when you're in the military, but it's a sacrifice. And, you know, I think we all appreciate that and recognize that. Um, I'm sure that if, that, that you could use some help here or there, you know, be it money or connections or uh, other things. Um, what, what are the best ways for people to really make a contribution, um, either with time or money, to Vetsu Code? Roger that. Uh, if you are looking to mentor, please uh, contact us at hello at vetsuco.io. We're always looking for high-level mentors or just go through our form and say that that's what you want to do. We'll definitely be in contact with you within 72 hours. I have a bunch of emails I have to answer uh, currently uh, this week because of that uh, now. Uh, if you want to donate, we have two different ways of donating now. Uh, we use uh, new technology that's actually based out of Nashville for our donor management system called Kindful uh, to make it e much easier Kindful for our... Kindful is awesome. Kindful is awesome. That's my uh, mentor in my boot camp. He's the CTO there. Uh, what's his name? Pete Brown. Pete. Uh, see, I know there's CEO. I don't know the CTO. I, yep. I just had to plug that, so... Okay. okay, carry on. Uh, Sorry for the interruption. <laughs> no problem. Uh, we use Kindful, though it's uh, not showing this plug there. Uh, to, for our, so it's easier for you to donate, regardless if you use PayPal or Stripe, or you just want to put your own information in there. You can go from there and do it. And we also, uh, for companies that are looking at donating and have some fun, we use uh, what's called Swear Jar for your Slacks. So you can put our Slack bot in your uh, company Slack, and then you can set it so that based upon how many people are um, swearing or what type of gifts they're sending, you can send a small donation, and you can have like <laughs> monthly settings and things of that nature. Um, to us. Yeah, it's really fun. We, you know, set up a swear oh, jar. So good. Like, 
<laughs> uh, if you, yeah, I think we felt like there's a great company in NYC. Capital. See, if you put a swear jar um, in some of the Slack channels I was in, I would be trying to get other people to swear so that they would give you money. <laughs> yes, and that's, that's we've seen that, and like you know, companies can put like you know, some companies have some potty mouths or like some people that are crazy giffers, and you know, you can put like a balance limit on how much you're going to give monthly um, based upon it in your Slack channel as well. So we give the companies control how much you're going to give, give like their maximum amount things because you know we have some people that they would honestly, if you just did it just by their swears, they you know run their company out of business. Uh, so and that's one other way, and uh, just continue, just continue um, talking about us and sharing about the work that we do. That's what we really uh, hit. A, what we really love to talk about to people about. If you're especially if you're a hiring manager, please uh, email me at Jerome at vetsuco.io, and we'll definitely set up time to talk and see if we have someone that your company uh, will be a great fit for your company. Sounds good. Well, let's let's go ahead and. Uh... End on that note and get to some picks. Dave, do you have some picks for us? Yes, I only have one pick, and it is utterly self-serving. And that is that, uh, for those of you that don't know, we have a somewhat new podcast that um, it's called Soft Skills Engineering, where we explore the non-technical side of software development. We've done 30 episodes, and they've all been absolute gems. Just kidding. Some of them are really good. No, um, they're good. And, uh, yeah. All right, endorsed. Yeah. And we just procured <laughs> our first sponsor. So now we are a real podcast wearing big kid shoes. So check us out at Soft Skills ENG on Twitter. Awesome. Amy, what are your picks? Okay, so I have two. Uh, the first one, I mentioned a while back the Grokking Algorithms book, which is really, really good. And I've been working through that. Um, but sometimes I want a little supplement to that, and I've picked a bunch of these on the podcast before, but there is a GitHub awesome repo called Awesome Algorithms. So whether you're working through that Grokking Algorithms book or not, um, there's just some good resources for that that I found this weekend. And then the other one I have, um, I am neither for or against this blog post, but it's an interesting contrast to a lot that goes on in the JavaScript world by somebody who's pretty well-respected, uh, I guess Uncle Bob Martin. Um, he has blog posts that came out at the end of July called The Churn, so it's a very short read, but... Um, you know, I probably wouldn't necessarily have given this a read, given the title, or uh, just because, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of tired of, like, the debate back and forth. But because it's somebody who's so well-respected, uh, I felt it was worth the read. So pretty short. I'll put links for both those in the show notes, and that's it for me. All right. I'm going to throw a quick pick out there. Um, I've been reading this book, and I liked it so much that when I finished the audio book, I actually stopped, closed the book, and then reopened it and started playing it again. Um, it's called The 12-Week Year, um, and it's basically a productivity model for setting goals uh, over 12 weeks and then getting them achieved. And it ties into your overall mission and where you want to go, and it is awesome. Really, really loved it. So uh, I'm going to pick The 12-Week Year. Um, it's, it's a book, like I said. Um, it's by Brian P. Moran and don't remember his co-author's name um but we'll put a link to it in the show notes and uh yeah uh that's my pick jerome do you have some picks for us roger that of course first pick is going to be vetsu code uh please go visit our site uh send us a message or donate whatever is or you know send me an email see what you want to whichever way you want to like content like contribute to our cause of helping more veterans uh second pick is definitely gonna be um one of my favorite gems it comes with like a crazy story uh practical javascript by watchingcode.com that is um a really really um great site for people who are coming from a from a more atypical background of learning how to code very um crazy story this guy Gordon Zhu, he uh, went to school in Pennsylvania, and while he was uh, in Philly and doing his, co his college uh, degree, he did a lot of uh, tutoring in inner-city schools. And so he focused on, he ended up learning how to teach people who may not have came from that really prolific background how to do a lot of high-level uh, math. 
And he, after graduating, went to went west, San Francisco, while well, started working as a marketer at Google, and then turned around and became a developer at Google. Google. And one of the things that he um, really didn't understand was how the way people were teaching uh, people how to code or all the coding um, resources when it came to JavaScript. He felt like they were really bad, poorly written when it came to like people who didn't come from that traditional CS background. So he started this site, this project, to become a full-blown site for him. And it's a really uh, great product. He actually pitched it to me after hearing me on a podcast some time ago. And I didn't have time for it until we had a veteran who was looking on trying to figure out who was having problems with JavaScript. Then I made time for it. And, I, and it turned out to be wonderful. Veteran finally started learning, um, getting he just, it just started clicking with him. So I set up a call with this guy, and I let him speak to the veteran that he was he had actually helped. And then I met him in real life when I was in San Francisco. So it was really, really cool uh, type of way, type of way of how we interact with not only the products that people share with us, but the people who are building these products and how we use them to help veterans. So I think that's like my second outside of us. Uh, practical JavaScript would be our my second pick. All right. Well, um, besides Vets Who Code, is there any other place that people should go if they want to see what you're doing or check out your open source or anything like that? Roger, yeah, check us out on Twitter. And uh, we do a lot of stuff on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're actually doing a really big debate right now about open source in our curriculum. Uh, it's basically a 60-40 split right now. So we're looking into that, take it to the next level, and try to open source our curriculum in hopes that other people will be able uh, to learn more about code. All right. Well, thank you for coming, Jerome. I'll remind everybody to go check him out on Ruby Rogues. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. Roger. Bye. Great day.